Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, we're still talking about revival praying, and uh, I want to pick up with... uh, The theme we were on last week, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, our text for last week, the, the, the scripture we used last week was the 18th verse, and then we went back up and caught some of these uh, previous verses, so let's go to verse, verse 18, Ephesians six eighteen says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. How often are we supposed to pray? Always. Praying always with all prayer. Many translations say all kinds of prayer. Various kinds of, there are various kinds of prayers. Some people have the attitude that praying is just praying. You know, that all prayer is sort of the same. It's just one category, it's just prayer. Well, there's one general category of prayer, just like there's a general category of sports. Uh, but there are different kinds of sports and there are different kinds of, of prayers and the different kinds of sports have different rules and the rules that apply to one kind of sport don't necessarily apply to another kind of sport, but they're all sports. Well, in the category of prayer, there are different kinds of prayers and there are different rules or principles that govern the operation of those prayers and how you pray, and the rules of one kind of prayer don't do not necessarily uh, apply to another kind of prayer. In fact, there are some kinds of praying that uh, the rules that apply to it only apply to that kind of praying. One example that is uh, uh, common that, and this is a, a common mistake people you people make in praying. Some people, after all their praying, no matter what they pray, at the end of their praying, they say if it be thy will. They just sum up their praying, whatever it is they're praying about, and they say, Lord, if it be your will. But you see, that uh, phrase and that uh, 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 statement only applies to one kind of praying. Jesus prayed, if it be your will, when he was praying a prayer of consecration. Remember, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, And he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's the same thing as saying, if it be your will. But notice that was a prayer of consecration. When Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus and said, come out, he didn't say, Lord, if it be your will. Isn't that right? When he laid hands on the sick, he didn't say, Lord, if it be your will. The people came to him and said, Jesus, if it be your will, heal me. He said, it's my will, I heal you. Amen. Amen. And Jesus, of course, we know is is the express image of God the Father. And when Jesus cast out devils, he didn't say, come out, Lord, if, if you will, have him come out. Did he? 
No, he only prayed that prayer one time and that was in a prayer of consecration. A prayer of consecration is not a prayer where you're trying to change something or get something. It's exactly what the name implies. It's a prayer of you submitting and consecrating your will and your life or whatever uh, uh, to God. And in that situation, you say, Lord, it's not what I want, it's what you want. I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Uh, uh, and, sometimes, and sometimes it's a challenge. Very often we might sense God leading us uh, to do a particular thing or to consecrate in a particular area. And, and, it's, and, it, and it's in the natural. I'm talking about in the natural. It, it doesn't seem like it's, it's something we want to do. That's when we pray, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Father, I'll, I'll go here, I'll go there if it's your will. But see, when you're praying a prayer to receive something from God, particularly something that the Bible makes really clear uh, uh, belongs to you, you don't pray if it be your will because you already know his will. And if you don't know his will, you shouldn't be asking for it. See, a lot of people don't want to take time to find out what the will of God is. So they sort of, uh, you know, shotgun heaven with just, they just pray everything they can think. Oh, Lord, do this, do that. And just anything they can think of. And then they just throw this disclaimer out, if it be your will. And think, well, that'll, that'll sort everything out. And it doesn't work that way. That's, that's, that's foolish praying. I started to say you're wasting God's time, but you're not because he's not listening to you. He's not even paying any attention to that. So you're not wasting his time. You're just wasting your own time. Amen. No, when you have a, a particular need in your life, you need to find out what the Bible says about it. Find it before you pray, find out what the Bible says about it. And once you know what the Bible says about it, then you go to God on the basis of that scriptural knowledge that you have. And you say, now God, your word covers this. You said in your word that it's your will and it's your plan that I have a certain thing or be able to do a certain thing. And so based on that, I know what your will is. So I believe, I receive it, I take it, it's mine. I thank you for it. To turn around and say, if it be your will, then you just undo everything you just prayed. Because you've just now said, well, I don't really know if it's your will. Well, if you don't know if it's his, his will, then how can you have faith? Well, amen. amen. So there are different kinds of rules that apply to different kinds of praying. Now, we were talking on uh, last Sunday morning, and I intended to go last Sunday night, but the Spirit of God led a different way. But, uh, and so we didn't get back to it. But last Sunday morning, we were talking about this verse praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now notice this is talking about uh, praying for all the saints. That would be praying for other people. Notice he said that we are to be watchful to this end with all perseverance, perseverance, that means stick to it, stick to it, stay with it. Now again, people, they get mixed up in their praying and they stick to it and persevere in the wrong kinds of praying. When, when you know what the Bible says concerning you and your situation, 
you pray that prayer in faith. Once it's alive on the inside of you, you feed on it until you know that you know that you know that it's God's plan, God's will for you. Then you ask for it, you thank him for it, you receive it by faith. You don't persevere in that prayer. You don't continue to pray along that line. You don't come back to God the next day and pray that prayer all over again. And the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day. Because by doing that, every time you do it, you're saying, well, I didn't believe it last time. I prayed yesterday, but I haven't seen an answer, so I'm gonna pray again today. And then I'm gonna pray the next day and the next day. Well, none of that's in faith. And so people persevere, but in the wrong thing. Or with, they persevere in the wrong kind of praying. And the kind of praying they need to persevere in, they don't know anything about. Church is really confused where prayer is concerned. I said, the church, most of the church world is confused where praying is concerned and, and they're inept in praying. Don't know anything about different kinds of praying, don't know about the different rules, don't know how to apply them. And, and, and it's no wonder that people aren't getting their prayers answered. Amen. He said when you're praying for others, notice he's talking about praying for all the saints, that you have to persevere. Well, why is that? Why is it if I see my brother or sister struggling in an area, whether it's an area of, of uh, their knowledge of the scripture, maybe they just have, a trou have trouble laying hold or uh, grasping certain truths, or maybe they're struggling in uh, a relationship in some way in their family, there's something going on, or uh, they're struggling in their body or you know, with an illness or they're struggling with discouragement or, or just financial need, whatever it might be. Why can't I just claim the answer for them and just say, you know, brother, brother, uh, you know, brother X, I just claim the solution. I just claim the answer for his uh, family problems. Father, I just ask you to solve it, deliver him, straighten everything out, make everybody happy and put everything back together, and I believe I receive it. Thank you for it in Jesus' name, and every day I'm gonna thank you for it. Why won't that work? And it will not work. I said it won't work. People build a lot of spiritual air castles. They'll go around claiming a lot of things, thinking they're in faith, but you can, you can, you can claim a lot of things and, and act like you're in faith and, and say it real, real, uh, uh, you know, put, put real intensity in it and say it with real conviction and lift your voice and sound real religious. That won't make it work. Right. Hey, man. I had a guy one time, uh, many, many years ago, he first started the church as a member of the church and, and his mother uh, was of a particular denomination. She was a, she was a Christian woman, I guess. I guess she was a believer confession. Let me put it that way. But she was, she was really kind of a gnarly old lady. Just, just had a mean disposition. The little, that, the little interaction I had with her. Okay, so I, I don't know for sure. But, but she came across just being real hard. And, and she's nasty disposition, you know. And uh, she, was, she was perpetually sick. A very sickly woman. And this man decided he was going to claim God's healing for her in spite of what she believed. And she would argue with him, say, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in healing. 
I don't believe it's the will. I don't believe you can pray. I don't believe in that stuff. Yeah, well, I do, and I'm just going to believe it for you. I tried to talk to him and tried to tell him, that won't work, brother. It's just not going to work. Well, that's kind of an extreme case, but, but uh, it, it's, it's almost that foolish to try to believe God for somebody. Uh, and maybe they're not in direct opposite. They're not outwardly opposing it, but you don't know what's going on on the inside. Amen. You can, like I said last week, you can use your faith for another Christian for a short period of time when they're a bona fide baby Christian. They're just newly born again, new in the faith. They don't know very much. They haven't had an opportunity to learn. You can, you can very often, you can kind of uh, uh, join your faith to theirs, what little they have and what little they know, and you can push, your, push the thing through by praying for them and God will honor your faith in their behalf. But that won't work for very long. Because eventually God requires all of us to grow up spiritually and learn how to apply the word of God in our own lives. Amen. And, and when that time comes, you'll find that, that you're, you're praying the prayer of faith for somebody else. It loses its, its uh, uh, effectiveness. Because the prayer of faith is primarily designed to pray for things that belong to you, it's between you and God concerning things that belong to you. But in praying for other people, we pray the prayer of supplication and sometimes the prayer of intercession. And the prayers of, of supplication and intercession are prayers that have to be, uh, uh, we have to persevere in. Well, why is that? We talked about this last week in uh, verse 11 of this same chapter, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The reason you have to pray for other believers, uh, whatever their problem might be, when they're not acting on the word for themselves, the, the, the way you pray for them, you don't pray the prayer of faith, you pray differently. You pray the prayer of supplication and intercession for them. And the reason you have to persist in it is because very often they're persisting in their wrong thinking. They're persisting in their wrong thinking. They're persisting in their wrong speaking. They're persisting in their wrong understanding, their lack of knowledge of the word. And, and very often, they, they, they're in this condition because they're yielding to evil forces in their lives. Are you listening to me? Notice, he, he talks about the wiles. Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles there, if I can read this, little note in my Bible, says crafty scheming with the intent to deceive or trickery that you may be able to stand, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the trickery, the scheming, of the devil. The devil is constantly scheming. He's constantly trying to trick us 
into deception. Well, people very often that you're praying for, fellow Christians who are struggling along certain lines, they're usually struggling because they've been deceived in some area. They've been tricked, they've been deceived, their thinking isn't right. And so these evil spirits are, have access into their lives because they're being deceived. Notice, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's our problem sometimes. We see someone who is, is uh, maybe, you know, they're having a, a, a difficult situation and maybe they're being difficult. Maybe they're not behaving themselves the way they should. And we want to handle it with, you know, as flesh and blood. We want to get over in the natural and just straighten them out real good. You know, that rarely works. I said that rarely works. Oh, yeah, we're going to straighten them out, but usually not. Amen. You're just going to make an enemy most of the time, and then you'll need straightening out too. (laughs) Amen. No, we do not wrestle with flesh. Don't deal with that in the natural. Now, I'm not, listen, I'm not talking to parents. You have children. Yes, you, you, you do straighten them out. You do apply the rod of correction uh, 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 to, well, how does that go? The rod of correction to the seed of un- to the seed of understanding is that how that goes? Yes, you do that. I've had parents. People can get so messed up, not rightly dividing the word. Yes, Pastor, I heard what you said, and I've just turned them over to the Lord. No, you just turned them over to the juvenile courts. What you did, and you don't know it yet. Yeah, you just turned them over to law enforcement. You just don't have sense enough to know it. Hadn't shown up yet. No, you're a parent. I'm getting off my subject, but I'll meddle here for a minute. As a parent, it's your job to deal with flesh and blood. And in the spirit. Amen. And you have to do both. But when you're dealing with other adults... Unless you're law enforcement, like our brother over here, he still has the authority to deal in flesh and blood. (laughs) But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, amen, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. These are four different ranks are levels of demonic spirits. This this passage identifies four levels of, of satanic forces, beginning with the weakest or the lowest level and going to the highest level. Principalities are the weakest type. Then powers, the, the, the real word there is authorities. That's the second uh, lowest type. And third, the rulers of the darkness of this age. Now, these are the these three spirit, these three categories are, are divisions or, or rankings of evil spirits are the only ones we have to deal with in our conflict. In other words, there's a conflict against the other one, but we don't have to take care of it. God will take care of it. The first three are the ones that we have to deal with and and we're responsible uh, to take our stand against. Now the rulers of the darkness of this world, 
They, they, they rule over the powers under them and the principalities. These lower classes of demons, principalities and powers, they do very little thinking on their own. They're, they're not very intelligent. And uh, they take their orders from the rulers of the darkness of this world. The rulers of the darkness of this world do exactly that. They rule in this world. They rule over the darkness, the spiritual darkness in this world or in this age. You know, the, it turned with me over to John, the fifth, first John, excuse me, first John chapter five. First John chapter five. And look at verse 19. First John five nineteen says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Well, uh, the whole world is dominated. People who were unsaved are all dominated by the rulers of the darkness of this world and then through them these lower uh, kinds of spirits. Now, we, as Christians, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we're not in the darkness. We've been translated, the Bible says, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, which is the kingdom of light. Isn't that right? So we're not under the sway of these evil spirits unless we yield to them. On the one hand, Jesus has been raised from the dead and when he was raised from the dead, the Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers. Jesus rose up victorious over all the hosts of darkness, defeated them on our behalf and set us free. We're not under their control unless we allow it. By what Jesus did, we have the right and the authority and the power to walk in this world untouched. The evil one touches him not. We have the right and the authority to walk in that way in, in, such, a, in such a fellowship with God where we, are, where we are never dominated by these forces because they've been defeated on our behalf. But most Christians don't live that way. We're here in Ephesians. Go over to Ephesians 4. Just turn over, uh, we have to go back to Ephesians, but the fourth chapter, look at verse number 27. Verse 20, let's start with uh, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Is it possible to lie? Do you know a Christian that's lied? Have you, no, I won't ask that. It's possible as a Christian to lie. He said putting away. Well, if it wasn't possible for you to lie, he wouldn't tell you to put away lying. Look at verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Is it possible as a Christian to be angry and sin? Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Is it possible to let the sun go down on your wrath? Have you ever known of anybody that's done that? Have you ever been married? Let me just put it that way. gone to meddling again. 
Nor, look at verse 26, verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. The margin of my Bible says an opportunity. Don't give an opportunity. One translation says don't give a foothold to the devil. Well, is it possible to give a foothold to the devil? Well, if it's possible to, to lie, if it's possible to, to, to be angry and, and, and let the sun go down on your wrath, then it's possible to give place to the devil, even believers. Well, if just because we've been delivered from the authority of darkness, and we have, doesn't mean we cannot turn around and yield to that because we can, because he's telling us here not to. Do not give an opportunity, do not give place to the devil. What does it say over in James chapter four? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist him. Well, it, it, it must be necessary to resist him or else we wouldn't have to resist him. If, if, it was, if, it, if we had a, a built-in immunity by virtue of being born again and the devil could never have access, never have any influence, never have a place in our lives again. We're, 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 we're always in a place of overcoming. If that was true, then we wouldn't have to resist him. But we do. Because if we don't resist him, we give him place. We give him an opportunity. He said resist him and he will flee from you. What happens if you won't resist him? If you don't resist him, does he flee from you? No, he'll be your, your, your best bud. He'll be your constant companion. Amen. So what I said all that to say, Christians sometimes yield to these evil influences and when, and when the person you're praying for, whether they are knowingly yielding or not, when they're, when they're, the influence of these evil spirits are working against them, you have to continually pray for them. Now, there's another reason this is true. Go over with me to uh, <clears throat> go over with me to where's my scripture I'm looking for. Yeah, go, go to Daniel 10. We looked at this. Daniel, the tenth chapter. Daniel chapter 10, and notice verse 1. Have you found the 10th chapter of Daniel? Now, this is Old Testament, but these spirits are still here. I said the same spirits that were here in the earth then are here today. The same demons that Jesus cast out are still here today. Amen. Amen. Well, this is in the Old Testament. It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. He was in prayer and fasting. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at any time till three whole weeks were, were fulfilled. Notice for three weeks he was in mourning. He's not talking about mourning, you know, over somebody's death. This is talking about supplication. This is talking about being burdened in prayer. And we'll go on down 
And it says in verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hand. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you. Well, we, we missed some verses here, but this is an angel appeared to him, is what we're talking about. After he was praying for three weeks, then this angel appeared to him. And he said, uh, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While I, he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Notice he said three weeks had passed, and he was in supplication. He, had, he was burdened by God. He had a prayer burden. And he was in prayer and supplication with fastings for three weeks. And then he had this visitation. And this, and this uh, uh, angel appeared to him and said, from, from the first day, that was three weeks ago, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. Well, why did it take him three weeks to get there? If his words were heard the first day and, and he evidently was sent out, dispatched on the first day, what took him so long? Does it take three weeks to get from heaven to earth? Not for an angel. Look at verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, that's another archangel, came to help me for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. thing I want you to see is this angel said that Daniel's words were heard on the first day, but the, the kingdom of the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood him. Well, who was the prince of the kingdom of Persia? It wasn't the natural ruler of Persia. In verse one, it says in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to death. There was, this tells us that in the kingdoms of men, very often, I wouldn't say all the time, but very often, perhaps all the time, and just I don't know, but very often we see that a natural kingdom here ruled over by a man named Cyrus, that a natural kingdom is, is overseen by a spiritual kingdom of darkness. And there, are, and there are spiritual forces in the spirit realm that dominate kingdoms in the natural realm. And they're trying to dominate our own nation right now. Have been for a long time. It explains a lot of things. But it says that, that over this natural kingdom, there was a spiritual ruler, not the king of Persia, but the prince of Persia, who in the spirit realm fought against this archangel and, here, and hindered the message coming to Daniel. Well, that tells us why sometimes there, there's, there's several, it, it, it explains a couple of things. Number one, when you're praying for something, for yourself, 
You ask in faith. You thank God for it. You believe you receive it. Very often, the reason why the thing doesn't come right away is because there are evil forces out there trying to block the blessing from coming to you. You don't go back to God and ask again because you've already asked in faith and you believe him and you just continue to stand and thank him until the answer comes. Well, when, when that is going on, there is a spiritual standing. Take unto yourself the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand and stand against the wiles of the devil. Very often in your own personal life, when you're standing in faith, you're actually standing against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in the heavenlies. Very often that's what you're standing against. You've believed for the answer, you thank him for it, it's been given, it's your God moves the moment you pray in faith. He moves then. But sometimes you just have to stand. And that standing is the struggle or the wrestling. It's not, the wrestling that we do is not like physical wrestling. We don't, we don't engage the enemy on our own behalf. Like, like, uh, like you would be in a conflict with somebody and fight against them. It's in the spirit realm and you do it by standing in faith. That is the fight. We fight the good fight of faith. Who are we fighting? We're not fighting God. We're fighting the devil. How do we do it? By, in, by being in faith. By being consistent, thanking God, not yielding, not giving in to deception. Because he'll try to deceive you into thinking, well, you know it hadn't come yet. You know it's getting worse. And it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse, and it's not going to get any better, and nothing's going to change. You're going to have to do something else. You're going to have to go plan B. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the scheming, the trickery of the, of the devil, of the wicked one. What is the armor? Put on then the whole armor of God. The, the, your, gird, your, your waist girded with truth. What are they? Somebody read them to The breastplate of righteousness. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The helmet of salvation. The, those are, what, are, what else are, are, is in that defensive? Sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon. But how many is it? Lloyd's girded about with truth. Got that one? Shield of faith. Got that one? Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, got that one. There are any more defensive ones. The breastplate of righteousness, I thought I had that one. Helmet of salvation, we got them all. But you gotta, you gotta, it's more than knowing them by memory. You have to put them on. You have to put them on. You have to, you have to, you have to clothe yourself in this armor so that you can stand against his trickery. Now, some of the, some of the, uh, uh, single, uh, singles were talking to me the other day and last week and laughing about something I had mentioned about in the, in the 1990s. People got so squirrely in this business of spiritual warfare. I mean, you can't, it's hard to sit here in 2015 and, and actually think people did this, but they did. 
In the 1990s, there was a real popular book, and the name of it slipped me right now, but don't, don't say it. But anyway, there was the name of a book that was very popular, and it was a, it was a, a, a fiction, you know, fiction book, but it was about spiritual warfare. And it, I mean, it swept through the charismatic world. And everybody was talking about spiritual warfare, fighting the devil. And they were just going through all kind of, of, uh, of uh, contortions and, and, and machinations and all sorts of, you know, things to try to, uh, you know, fight against the devil. And it got so bad that people would have spiritual warfare services and folks would get together to war against the devil. And we're going to war spiritually. And they came up with the idea of warring tongues. We're all going to get together and speak in tongues against the devil. And you'd have a, you'd have a building full of people and everybody's got their fists clenched in there and they're yelling in other tongues. To, the Bible says he who speaks in a tongue speaks to God. Why would you be trying to speak in tongues to the devil? I'm telling you, it, it, was, it, was, it was really a, a, a phase that, 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 that was weird. <laughs> Warring tongues, battling against the, screaming at the devil. I had a friend that while he was at Ramah Bible Training Center, he was so tormented in his mind that he would spend hours every night screaming at the devil, binding the devil, just taking authority and, and fighting and screaming. That's a waste of time. People came to these warring services, these spiritual warfare services, dressed in combat fatigues. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. Camouflage, well, camouflage wasn't really big back then, but it was the, you know, the, the, combat green, you know, military combat fatigues. They would put this stuff, they'd go to the store and buy this and come to church. I know you're gonna think I'm making this up. I'm not. They would bring toy guns. Now, I'm not talking about anybody around here. I'm just talking about it happened in some of the most, some of the real extreme areas and camps. But they would come with little uh, toy guns, a little toy machine guns and Uzis and pistols and stuff and they'd, and they'd walk around <laughs> warring tongues, praying against the devil and, and these were little props they had, you know, to kind of help get them in the mood, I guess. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Amen. We put on the whole armor of God that we might stand. That's the warfare. Stand. Having your loins girt about with truth. Amen. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having the, the shield of faith. Taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus didn't argue, fuss, and fight with the devil. When Satan came to him, what did he do? He said, it is written. He didn't argue with him about it. He, he took every challenge 
that was thrown at him and said, it is written. We would say it like this today. We'd say, yeah, but the Bible says. That's what that it is written means. Yeah, devil, but the Bible says. When the enemy comes against you and tries to convince you that it's not working, that it's not true, what God said, you just remind him, yeah, but the Bible said. I believe the Bible. That's spiritual warfare. And you have to stand. Well, when it comes to praying for other people, you stand and continue to pray for them, making supplication, intercession if necessary. If they're in sin, something's going on there. You make supplication, intercession for them, and you stay at it. Why? Because they may still be yielding, usually are. Still yielding in an area. And so you just stay at it. We'll talk more about it a little later. But it's necessary to know how to pray for our brothers and sisters. It's necessary to know how to pray for people in this world. It's necessary to know how to pray for our nation. And these are not, these are not casual prayers. These are not one-time prayers. Again, these are prayers that you pray and you stay with it. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's true. Glory to God. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed here shortly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the knowledge of prayer. Knowing how to pray. Knowing what's going on in the realm of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We thank you, Father, that we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness We've been translated into the kingdom of the son of your love. Glory to God. All principalities, powers, and so forth have been put under the feet of Jesus. And by virtue of that, they're, they're put under our feet. They're under our feet. And we rule and reign through Christ Jesus. We do it by faith. We do it, Father, fully clothed with the armor of God so that deception doesn't get in so that we don't fall for the lies of the enemy and we just go on victorious glory to God resisting the devil every time we have to not giving him one place not giving him one opportunity not giving him any ground no foothold glory to God and we go from victory to victory to victory thank you for it Father we're also learning that not everyone has this knowledge. Not all Christians know how to resist. Not all believers are, are uh, doing what they ought to and living the way they should. Many are in confusion. Many are in unbelief. Many, even Christians, have unwittingly yielded themselves to the influence of the evil one and sometimes these evil forces rule over them, hold them in bondage. But thank God there's a way for, of freedom and a way of deliverance for everyone. And those of us who are thus armed and thus uh, instructed and know who we are in Christ and know what our rights and privileges are and our great authority in the name of Jesus, we're learning to rise up as prayer warriors, so to speak, as men and women of prayer who do know our God, who do know what belongs to us 
and who know how to take advantage of the power of the greater one on the inside in prayer, in supplication, in, in exercising authority. And we're learning to take our place and no longer willing to let the weaker ones suffer without remedy. No longer willing to let those around us who struggle perpetually year after year, walking in confusion and darkness, no longer willing to just let them suffer in silence, but taking our place in prayer, committing ourselves, devoting ourselves to be men and women of consecration in prayer. We bear other, other people's burdens and so display the law of love and the law of Christ, giving help and remedy to those in need. It's not all about us and what pleases us and our own pleasure and satisfaction in life, but it's being willing to spend time on our face before God for others. We're coming into that realization more and more. More and more of us are coming into that realization that there is a battle. There is a struggle. And many of our fellow believers are caught in that battle and in that struggle. And they don't know what to do. But we who are strong and do know the truth can come to their aid and lift them out of that through our own prayer. Glory to God. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it. Thank you for this knowledge. Thank, 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 thank you, Father, that more of us are awakening to the call and are beginning to listen and give heed to the call to prayer in our private lives, being willing to turn away from the natural things of life for a bit when called upon by the Spirit of God. To pray, to make supplication and intercession for others. Hallelujah. It's your will, Father. We're one body. We're members of one another. And when one member is honored, we're all under, honored. And when one member suffers, we must suffer too. And be willing to pray. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Father. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, God is calling for people who, who, who are willing to pray. In these last days, there's, there's a revival on. It's, it's going. It's growing. It's increasing. It's spreading. But the whole underlying power is prayer. And that's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to prayer. Amen. He's calling us as individuals to answer that call and say, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll yield myself. I'll be one of those who will pray. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you willing to, to take the challenge? Are you willing to give heed to the call of the Holy Ghost to be a man and a woman of prayer? Hallelujah. It's a tremendous ministry. It's a tremendous, vital ministry. It's not a special calling. It's a calling that all of us have. 
It's a ministry available to everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.